Welcome, friends, to the From Busy to Rich podcast, the podcast designed to inspire advisors to increase their profitability and quality of life. My name is Justin Lake, and this week we have a special treat as we bring the new year in with a recording of Wes presenting at North Point Church titled Life Hacks. We hope you enjoy. So how many of you were just cringing at the sight of that sticky goodness rolling down the sides of those kids' arms? Hey, but now we know with our first life hack, we can take a cupcake sleeve, slide it on the bottom, and avoid all that mess. And it's a good lead-in for where we're going to be going together over the next four weeks in the series I'm kicking off for you this morning called Life Hacks. And the big idea, or the premise behind Life Hacks is this, is that all of us have an approach to life. We all have a way we go about making progress, and... All of us, regardless of how good or bad things are going in our lives, in all the areas that we care about, we want things to be better. And so the big idea behind a life hack is there are truths that exist that when discovered and applied can make our lives better and make us better at life. And so we're going to be digging in at it together over the next four weeks. And before I go any further, I want to take a second just to introduce myself for the benefit of those of you who have not had the opportunity to meet yet. My name is Wes Young. And for those of you who may be new to the church, I also want to let you know right up front, I am not the normal guy that communicates up here on Sunday. In fact, I'm not even on staff with the church. I'm actually a volunteer. I uh, serve on our stewardship committee, which kind of guides and directs a lot of the financial direction of the, of the church, as well as occasionally I'll, I'll do some hosting up here. And then every now and then, a couple times a year, when our lead pastor, Buck Giebelhouse, needs to go on vacation and they can find absolutely no one else, you guys get me. So welcome. It's good to be here with you this Sunday. Uh, I want to give you a, a little bit more background, too. Here's a picture of my family. There's uh, my wife of almost 17 years, Jamie, and then our, uh, two, our two of our kids. We have uh, Abby, who's 13 years old, and Gage, who's 15, and uh, they both were just at camp all this week. So if, if there's some familiar faces there that you might have been there. And uh, believe it or not, after almost 17 years of marriage and these age kids, we now actually have a nine-month-old. We were surprised, too. Yeah. And in fact, let me show you a picture of our nine-month-old. This is Ollie, the French bulldog. Now, you didn't think I was talking about a human nine-month-old, did you? We would have been surprised, that's for sure. And either Jamie or my doctor would have some explaining to do, because that shouldn't happen. Ollie, Ollie this is a different dog experience than I've ever had. Um, growing up, we always had outside dogs. Anybody have outside dogs growing up? Yeah. So... We would rip open basically a 50-pound bag of old Roy dog food, throw it out on the back patio, and just kind of check on him a couple times a week. It was really not that complicated. Only time we'd freak out is if it actually got in the house. That's when we'd freak out. This is not the case with Ollie the French Bulldog. Ollie's an inside dog. The only time we freak out is when he goes outside, and his food costs more than mine. So very different dog experience. Uh, another thing that really surprised us about this one was the acquisition costs on these dogs. So we told Abby, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll glad to get you a dog, you know, after we've ignored her request for like 13 years of her life. And, and we finally decided to do it. And then Jamie called me and let me know, hey, here's what they cost. And I said, we only want one. And she said, no, that's the cost of one. I was like, oh, my gosh. And so what, she's pretty thrifty and resourceful. So this may be a good life hack for you if you're in the dog market, particularly the French bulldog market. As long as you're willing to compromise a little bit of pedigree and go online to Craigslist and buy it in a gas station parking lot at night, you can dramatically lower the cost of buying these dogs. Upside, too, is you don't just get French. You might get a little Italian in there. You might get some German. You've got all the nations in your bulldog. So... 
No, it, it, it's truly a pleasure to be with you, and I've been looking forward to uh, diving into the series with you, Life Hacks, because uh, as I said earlier, the premise behind Life Hacks is that all of us have an approach to life. We have a way we go about making progress in our lives. And if you were to follow me around or I was to follow you around and kind of watch what we do, both consciously and subconsciously, look at our habits and look how we're approaching our finances, look how we're approaching our profession, our relationships around us, our physical health, and our spirituality, we would all figure out we've got an approach to life. And regardless of how good or bad things are going in our lives and all those areas we care about, we'd like them to be better. And so the big idea about behind life hacks is that is there are truths that exist that when we discover them and apply them can make our lives better and actually make us better at life. In fact, that's going to be our working definition here of a life hack. A life hack is a truth which, when discovered and applied, will make your life better and actually make you better at life. And where we're going to be finding our specific life hacks is in Proverbs. And for those of you who don't know what a proverb is, a proverb is a short sentence drawn from long experience. Another way to say it, it's a, it's a very pithy, pointed, and portable way of describing a deep wisdom and deep truth. And, and the way to think about it is a proverb is kind of like if you look at an iceberg, you see the tip, but there's a whole lot more going on underneath. And that's exactly what we're going to be diving into. In fact, we're going to be going to the place uh, that I consider to be the king of proverbs, King Solomon's Proverbs. And if you look right in the middle of your Bible, sandwiched in the middle, there's tons and tons of Proverbs, actually 31 chapters of Proverbs, most of which were written by King Solomon. And, and there's a ton of wisdom inside of there. For those of you who might not be familiar with Solomon, I want to give you a little background because it gives these Proverbs some deep street credibility. King Solomon was one of the kings of one of the most powerful nations that ever existed. King Solomon was also one of the wealthiest men to ever live. Most economists actually put King Solomon's net worth somewhere between 2 and 2.3 trillion, with a T, dollars. He actually was an expert in commerce and in trade and development and infrastructure. And kings and queens of other nations would actually pay large sums of money and gifts just for the opportunity to be able to glean from Solomon's wisdom. And the other thing about Solomon that's cool is he was what we call a conscious competent, meaning not only did he know how to do things really well, but he could tell you why it worked the way it did. And he wrote about it a lot. So he wrote books, he wrote several psalms, and for our benefit, where we're going to be spending our time to, uh, today and over the next four weeks, he wrote a ton of Proverbs. And so the cool thing is, if you're not a Bible person, or, or maybe you're, you're not so sure about church, somebody invited you here and promised you lunch, or whatever might have got you here, you, you're going to love Proverbs because... If you've ever bought a best-selling book or a, a, a book from an author that maybe had a lot of success in an area you wanted to have success, and you thought, hey, I might not agree with everything they say, but I'll bet there are some truths in there that I can discover and apply, and it'll make my life better and make me better at life, you're going to love this book of Proverbs. And good news, you can get this one for free. You can download it off the internet, right? You don't even have to go to the bookstore and pay for it. So this is going to be fantastic. Other thing I'm super excited about this series as we begin to, to prepare for it, this was really the first place I ever began reading in the Bible. Not because I cared about really reading in the Bible, it's because I had a mentor that would meet with me and help me with my thinking in my early 20s. And one of the things he said, Wes, do you want to be super successful? Do you want to have an extraordinary life? And I, of course, I said, well, absolutely. He said, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. You need to read Proverbs every day. Because there are 31 Proverbs, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and every chapter has about 20 to 30 pithy pointed statements that communicate a deep truth. And he said, Wes, if you'll just read that, take 10 minutes before you jump into your day, and you read through the Proverbs and think about how it might apply to your life, I can promise you this, you're going to wake up down the road and go, wow, 
I have an extraordinary life because I have this wisdom that Proverbs allowed to lead and guide me through. And so I did. And I'll never forget the first day that I actually figured out, wow, this works. I was, I was kind of brand new or a couple years into our financial planning practice. That's what we do. We have uh, financial business and estate planning. And, and I don't know if you know this, but it's one of those that's really hard to get off the ground because you meet with people and you kind of tell them what you do. And they say, that sounds great, Wes. How many people have you done this for? And you're like, none, but you could be the first, you know? And so people aren't really lining up to sign up on that train. And, uh, and I remember, I remember it's kind of like, you want me to be your surgeon's first surgery? You know, it's along those lines. And so I remember we managed to get some clients anyway. And I, I remember we were meeting with one of our clients, uh, one of my very best clients, and his CPA and his attorney were in the room because we were talking about strategy. And they were arguing. And not, not just like a casual disagreement. They were yelling at one point at each other, back and forth, back and forth, about what strategy was going to work best and which one they wanted to use. And then finally, my client, who's getting frustrated with the whole thing, puts his hand on the table. He says, guys, I'm sick and tired of hearing from the two of you. I heard enough. He says, I want to hear what Wes has to say about this. Now, keep in mind, you got a 25-year-old Wes. These guys are all about 60, and they're mad. Right? So I'm thinking, what I say next could definitely determine the trajectory of my future in a good or bad way. But uh, even though it was kind of tension and, and heated, I remembered a proverb. It was like muscle memory, one of those things that came to my mind. I knew exactly what I needed to do in that moment. And the proverb of Solomon that, that came to my mind was this, fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> That's actually not a proverb of Solomon, and it's horrible advice. So I would tell him, you don't do it. But, but isn't that our tendency sometimes? Don't we do it, it? The tendency is like, I better give an answer, even though I don't have enough grounding to understand if I'm giving a competent answer or not. And so maybe I'll say some stuff. I hope it works out. No, no, the, the real proverb that did come to my mind that helped me in this scenario was this. He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and shame to him. And so what I said next was this. I said, hey, guys. They both sound like really fantastic strategies. I mean, I'm sure that you've made very good application points. Here's what I think would be the best. Why don't we, I want to take this week and I want to think about all the things that you said are important to you, all the things that you said you want to move towards in your future. And in light of where you are and in light of where you're trying to go, I want to turn these strategies over. And I really want to meet with our CPAs and tax attorneys, figure out how both or, or either one or both a combination of the two might work the best. And I think by next week, I'll have enough competence to answer in a, in a meaningful way. And my client said, that's the best thing we talked about all day. Absolutely, that's what we're going to do. And I left. I'll never forget. He called me on my drive home. And he said, Wes, one thing I want you to remember and never take away and never, and never forget this is that those two guys today demonstrated a lot of knowledge, but you demonstrated wisdom. He said, and that's one of the most valuable things you can have. And I remember hanging up the phone, and I felt like Neo in the Matrix when he learned he knew Kung Fu. I was like, I know Kung Fu. This is awesome. Now, I'd love to tell you that I always was on the right side of that proverb because there's been many times where I've opened my mouth and things have come out and I went, you didn't even process that at all. And I had folly and shame as a result. But if we can keep these things out in front, these are the type of things that Solomon spoke about, these proverbs, these pithy pointed and and portable statements that communicate deep truth that can make our lives better and make us better at life. And so I want to dive into the first one with you that we're going to talk about, only one today, and it is uh, a one word that I'm going to give you the word, and then I'm going to give you the, the, the wrapping, the context that Solomon puts it in. But I would ask something of you. As I give you the word, here, here's what's going to happen. I, no one's going to disagree with this, okay? Nobody, nobody's going to like want to email Buck and say, I can't believe we talked about this in church. You're all going to go, well, yeah, of course. 
In fact, so much, of course, it's like your tendency is to go, do we, doesn't everybody know that? And, and don't, do we really need to spend a whole Sunday talking about this, Wes? And, and isn't that just a little vanilla? And, and so by way of an ice cream example, I want to help you see that it's not just vanilla. In fact, I have not only just any ice cream, this is Amy's ice cream. Any Amy's ice cream fans in the house? Yeah, that's right. So when I was, when I was newly, uh, Jamie and I were dating for a couple months, um, she grew up around here. So she grew up in Liberty Hill. I, I grew up in Odessa where we didn't even have drinking water you could drink out of the faucet, okay? We didn't have Amy's ice cream. And so I remember, Amy, we'd been dating a couple months, and she said, Wes, I want to go on a date to, J- to Amy's ice cream. And I asked, do they have beer there? And she said no. And I said, why would we go to eat ice cream at Amy's? She said, Wes, you don't understand. This is not just your ordinary ice cream. In fact, Wes, I know, you're going to love the vanilla. And I said, okay. And so we went, and I went to the counter, ordered the vanilla, and she intervened and said, no, 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 no. You don't want just the vanilla. You want Mexican vanilla, right? This will change your life, people. I'm not kidding. If you, this may be worth you coming to church right now if you did not have this information. Mexican vanilla is a life-changing thing. And I ate it and I loved it. And so here, here's what I want you to uh, think about. Today, as I go through this, this proverb with you and this word, fight the temptation to think it's just vanilla because I think by the time we're done, I'm going to be able to show you it's actually Mexican vanilla. It's not, just vanilla. it's not just an ice chest. It's a Yeti ice chest, right? It's that good if you let me go there. So here, here's, the, here's the word. Integrity. Integrity. Integrity is not just vanilla when the absence of it shows up on the news. Integrity is not just vanilla when the absence of it causes you or someone you love to have to sit down and have a really hard conversation about because you lapsed integrity or they lapsed integrity that their lives are going to be different and your life's going to be different as a result. And Solomon would tell us that the counter is true as well. The presence of integrity has the capability to unlock your greatest future hopes and dreams. But the most important thing that you need to understand right now is that right now my hands are freezing. So I want to get rid of this ice cream and give it away to somebody. So Alex will do this. Who wants? Oh, we got lots of hands up for this. You guys weren't as excited when I gave away Orange Theory memberships. I don't understand. It's crazy. There you go. We got some spoons for you there. You don't have to share, but I think Jesus would. So up to you. Do whatever you think's right, right? Okay. Here's the proverb that Solomon wraps this in. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So I want you to think for just a second with me, who wrote this? It was Solomon. This is a person who experienced massive success in life. And as he's looking back on his life, he's looking back on all the stuff that went really well, he's making this statement that the integrity of the upright is what guided him in to that preferred future. And he makes the counter too. He says perversity, and and I want to use that word. We'll come back to this word later. But the perversity, perversity is just uh, uh, making decisions contrary to your own best interest. And how many times do we do that? We do it all the time, right? In fact, we, we exchange a lot of times what we want ultimately for what we can have immediately. And that's what he's referencing here. Perversity is, is simply that. He says, I look back on all my wins and all my losses. Because Solomon, if you read about him, he also had quite a few losses. He had some deep, deep regrets, like most of us do in life, just living life and learning life. And he would say, in light of all that, all the times I took my own advice and the times I didn't, I would tell you this is the proverb, the pithy pointed statement that communicates a deep truth that we're going to explore together is the integrity of the upright guides them into the preferred future, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them, will destroy their future hopes and dreams. 
And so to really get our arms around this, I want to jump into this word integrity. Because as I was preparing for this and having lots of conversations with people about integrity, one of the things that I kept coming up to is uh, nobody disagreed. Everybody said, yeah, we want spouses with integrity. We want employees and employers with integrity. We want financial integrity. And then I'd say, how would you go about defining it? And then everybody kind of said this. Well, uh, and that's pretty much the far they got because it's easy to think we need it, but it's very difficult to define. And so I think we need a more grounded definition than, well, uh, if we're going to apply it to our, our life hack here that Solomon gave it to us. And so the best place I found, the best definition that I think makes so much sense in light of the context Solomon gives us is in a book by Henry Cloud called Integrity. And, and Henry defines integrity as this. Integrity is the courage to meet the demands of your reality. Integrity is the courage to meet the demands of your reality. I love this application because it takes integrity from being something that we have to actually something we apply, something we can actually do in our lives. And so as Solomon said, the integrity, the courage to meet the demands of our reality will guide you into your preferred future. That's a great application point. It also begs the second question, doesn't it? What are the demands of your reality? And what are the demands of your professional reality? What are the demands of your relational reality? What, are the, what if that's your financial, physical, and spiritual reality? All the areas of life we care about, what are the demands of our reality? If we're going to hack this, if we're, if we're going to have the courage to meet the demands of our reality, first thing we have to do is really get an understanding of what are the demands of our reality that are going to lead us where we want to be. And I think we need two things. I think we need to understand location and destination. Location and destination. So if you give me a minute, I'm going to unpack these two ideas for you. Um, I have, there's a great communicator, Leon Fontaine, and years ago, I remember listening to a workshop he did on prioritization, and it was so powerful, and I still remember the story, the analogy he used that made so much sense in light of what we're talking about here today. He used to train emergency medical technicians, so EMTs, and he said one of the most difficult things for him to do was to consistently teach new EMTs how to prioritize an accident scene. He says, because you pull up on these things, and cars are flipped over, and people are screaming and bleeding. It's just chaos. And and the new EMTs, 100% of the time, they want to go to the people screaming loudest first. And we teach them, go to them last. And I thought, that seems horrible, right? And he said, no, no, you got to understand. The job, the win, the number one thing of an EMT is to save lives. And when you pull up on an accident scene and people are screaming loud and flipped over cars and bleeding, he said, even the people who are screaming loud, at least I know they're breathing. The ones, the, quite oftentimes, my greatest opportunity to save a life is not the one screaming the loudest, it's the one dying silently in the ditch. And in my life and in your life, one of the things that causes us to miss out on some of our greatest opportunities and our future possibilities is the fact that we have a tendency in the noise of the day to pursue the things that happen to scream the loudest, not always those that matter most to us. Because let's face it, we have far more things we could go do today than there is time and money to go do it. Right? You and I are going to run out of time and money before we run out of all the ideas and opportunities we could go pursue. And, and so in light of that, we have to gain understanding in order to know which opportunities we want to seize, which ones we want to delegate, which ones to leave behind. We can't just prioritize by what screams the loudest. We've got to take the time to gain understanding of what matters most. And so to do that, there's a simple exercise I'm going to introduce to you. And, and, and you, you kind of already do this in so, certain aspects of your life. Like, think about it with me for a second. How many of you have ever been physically lost in a public place, like a, a mall, maybe an airport, a museum, right, amusement park? Most of us have. 
When you're lost, you go around looking for the directory. And on the directory, there's a little red dot, and it's got three really precious words to a lost person. What do they say? You're here. That's right. Because all of us kind of know something instinctively, don't we? We know in order to get where we want to go, we first have to start by understanding where we are relative to where we're trying to go. Because without that, you're, rarely you're going to drift in to your ideal life. And rarely you're going to drift into your ideal location or your destination. To do that, we've got to understand not only where we are, but where you would like to be. And, and so I'm going to give you an exercise that has been super beneficial for, for Jamie and I throughout our, our lives as we've exercised this. And, and also I've felt the weight of it when we, when we haven't been so on top of this. And I've seen it work in so many people's lives that allow them to put themselves in the best possible position to receive their ideal future is that you want to know in your life, where are you and where are you trying to go? And so if you would take just 10 minutes today, before you lay your head on the pillow and write out the story of your life three years from today in all these areas that matter, all these areas that you care about, that you want to have a preferred future that's different from what you're experiencing today, write it out, flavor it with emotion, really think about what you're becoming in the process of what you'd be pursuing, and just write that out so you have clarity over where you're trying to end up. Because once you know that, and then you can back it down into today, you can say, that's where I'd like to be, but where am I starting from? What are my current professional realities and, and relational and financial and physical and spiritual? And, and between those two points, clarity will emerge. Because one of the best ways that you and I can, can uh, use to prioritize what we're pursuing is by having clarity over where we are relative to where we're trying to go. Now, this part's pretty fun, right? Because you get to throw out all the stuff that's not working in your life and create this future that's got perfect and it's got all these great things. Um, this part's not as fun because it's a little bit like flipping over rocks and seeing what's under it, you know, when you're digging. And if you live, we live in the country and if you move something, you just expect something to be under it and going to bite or sting you. So this is a little bit what you're going to experience when you do that. But I can promise you, if you ever want to put yourself in the best possible position to receive your future hopes and dreams, you got to start here. So take what if you took 10 minutes, think about all the 10 minute pay, periods of time we've wasted on stuff that didn't matter. If you were to take 10 minutes to just write this out and then every single morning you set an alarm and you just read it, you would automatically make better decisions that day and live with fewer regrets. You would because you're super clear on where you'd like to be. You're super clear on where you'd like to end up. In fact, and Solomon would say this, he'd say the integrity, the ability to know where I am relative to where I'm trying to go so I then can meet the demands of my reality will guide me into my ideal future. And the perversity, when this is absent, when, when I forget about where I'm trying to end up of the unfaithful, will destroy them. I make decisions contrary to where, what my ultimate hopes and dreams are when I forget about what my ultimate hopes and dreams are. When it talks about being unfaithful, it's really being unfaithful to the vision that you need out in front. One of Solomon's other proverbs that's super famous that a lot of people quote in a lot of different ways is without a vision, people what? Perish. People give up. They, they, they cast off restraint is another, another way that it's interpreted. And, and isn't that true for you and me? All the times that I think back to the times where I've traded what I wanted ultimately for what I could have immediately, it was because I forgot about what I wanted ultimately. And, and so sometimes it's that we haven't defined it. And other times, it's just that we're not regularly renewing our mind to where we'd like to end up relative to where we're starting from. But Solomon say, good news, if you just do this one thing, if you just only thing, no other action steps possible, if you understand that you know where you are relative to where you're trying to go, you will make better decisions and live with fewer regrets and ultimately put yourself in a position where you're capable of receiving the future that you want most.
And think about it with me for a second. If we didn't do this, right, there is enough unavoidable issues that could come up in life, isn't there? I mean, things that just have, you, you can do this well and your house can still burn down. Okay, you can do this well and you can still have an investment go south. You can still have a relationship break apart. You can still get sick. There's all kinds of things that, that have come into play. But, but why, why not do this and at least the avoidable regrets? This gives us the opportunity to navigate around and ultimately line you up in your preferred future. So take the 10 minutes today to do that. And I can promise you the outcome of your life will be dramatically better as a result. And the ride along the way is going to be a lot better because you need to know which opportunities you want to seize which ones you want to delegate, and ultimately which ones you want to leave behind. And this clarity establishes that. So here's what I want to do with with the remaining amount of our time together. I want to give you some individual hacks. I want to give you, in light of you, assuming you do this exercise and you know where you want to go and you know where you're starting from, I'm going to give you some things that I think will help move you closer to that ultimate destination that you care about most. And and we're going to just do them in in rapid fire here, kind of go a bunch of, we're going to go a little bit deep for a second and quickly in these areas, in each area of life, give you some individual hacks that I think will be helpful to you. And we've seen them be helpful to a lot of other people that care about the same things that we all care about. Now, you might say, well, Wes, how can you do that? Because you don't know my set of circumstances and you don't know where I'm trying to go. And that's true specifically, but it really isn't generally. Like generally, we all kind of want a lot of the same stuff, don't we? In fact, from a destination standpoint, don't we really want this? Meaningful work, incredible relationships, more money, more time, six-pack abs, and connected to God, right? Now, your version may look a little different than that, but, but we all want something like that, don't we? And, and so, and I know this, all of us are starting somewhere better or worse than this. Hate my job, hate people, deep in debt, always in a hurry, absolutely more like a keg, and feel far from God. Now, you may be ahead of that or behind it, I don't know, but I, but I do know this. In general, we all want to move away from this and toward this. And so when you've kind of lined out where you are, where you'd like to be, then there's some things you can do that just are going to give you good positioning to continue to move towards that other objective. And so we're going to go through each one of them, and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll wrap so first is going to be professional. Read Proverbs every day. I mean, I can't tell you the weight of this in my life. And I gave you the example earlier, but I could give you countless examples of the good this has done for me personally. And I could tell you a lot of stories about other people that made this small commitment and it absolutely has turned out in their lives so, so well. So as an example, there are 31 Proverbs, right? And there's no more than 31 days in any given month. And there's about 30, 20 to 30 Proverbs, individual life hacks in there per chapter. So the first day of the month, you just read Proverbs 1. And after you've read your vision of where you're trying to end up and, and you've thought about where you are and you begin to read that wisdom in Proverbs and for the day, you think about how it might apply. And what will happen is over a long enough period of time, you're all of a sudden going to be making different decisions. Decisions that are created out of that awareness, but also these little things that help you have better relationships, make more money, and move forward in your professional career, all these areas. So I just can tell you, read Proverbs. It's going to be a huge benefit to your life. Next one is we're going to talk about financial and physical. So both of these are pretty similar in a lot of ways because financial health is a lot like physical health and that it's not a destination you arrive at. It's actually a condition you continually pursue. And, and both are the same. So financially, there's a couple things I want to give you that I think will be real useful to you getting further down the road and a healthier financial future. Money matters and from busy to rich. So Money Matters is a short-term small group that meets and, and really just digs into ancient, age-old financial wisdom that works. And so regardless of where you find yourself financially right now, maybe you're super in debt or you're super rich, either way, this will make you better at doing financial life. 
It really will. And so today, right out the door, when you go by the starting point door, which is on the right as you're exiting, there's going to be volunteers there that are going to be able to talk to you about this group and when it starts next and what you need to know about it. So I encourage you, if, if this is an area that's important to you that you want to get even better, that's a cool group to join for the short term. The other one is, is From Busy to Rich. That's a book that I wrote years ago. And again, it's just age-old financial wisdom. What's God say about money? What's he say about me? And, and how can I move in the direction of greater financial health? And there's a website you can go to right here, and you can download it for free today. And, and it's my gift to you. And so now feel free to go on Amazon and buy it. I wouldn't be offended at that either. But if you want to download it for free, it's right here. And you can do just that. And so that's, that's our, our financial. Now, what about physical? This is pretty easy, right? It's just the same things all the time. It's diet and exercise. Although it's not the difficulty, it's truly the discipline. And, and just some, some hacks here is, for me personally, you may be super disciplined and great at doing this on your own. I've found that working out with other people and having some kind of exercise program with other people is helpful to me. Kind of a community there. So go join CrossFit or Camp Gladiator or Orange Theory or a gym somewhere where you can just get people around. You're going to help you along in your journey. Because um, at the end of the day, it's just having some guardrails. Like you can eat Amy's ice cream, just don't eat it every day, right? You can eat Chewy's, just don't eat it for every meal. Um, and, and so just being aware of where you're trying to end up and having some guardrails around where you're trying to get there. Now, some of you may have super serious health. Uh, health issues right now outside of this. My mom is going through chemotherapy right now for breast cancer. And how she has the courage to meet the demands of her reality is just show back up at chemo that day. Most of us don't have that weighty of stuff to deal with at the moment. Most of us just need to eat a little better and we need to walk around a little bit, right? If we do those two things, you're going to be better at your your physical life. So next, relational. So this is something we talk about here all the time. You're never going to be happier than the quality of your relationships. Never. I don't care how much money you have and how healthy you are. You'll never be happier than the quality of your relationships. And so one of the things we talk about all the time that is just more of a a way where we can remember how we need to do life in our relationships is make love a verb. I've had the opportunity to do a handful of weddings. And what I always tell the bride and the groom on the wedding day, which is also a really good reminder for me, is your relationship, your marriage, is going to be a direct expression of the choice you make to love one another. Not just on your wedding day, but every single day. And and in all of our lives, our relationships are going to be an expression of how we choose to love one another. Not just one day, but every single day. Your decision and my decision to make love a verb. Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you. Love one another. Paul would later go on to kind of unpack the fullness of what that could mean. And I would tell you, just an exercise that's super healthy, if, if a relational, uh, you want to grow better in your relationships and healthy relationships, that would be wise for you to just kind of turn over in your mind and marinate on, maybe in the morning when you're doing your, you know, looking at your vision, where you are, where you want to be, and you're looking at your Proverbs, when you get done reading those, read this. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this one talked about, but if you ever thought about really what it means... This is how we make love a verb. It says, love is patient. That means I'm going to adjust my speed to yours. Love is kind. That means that I can loan you my strength where you need it and not remind you of your weakness in the process. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. That means I can celebrate your accomplishments without having to remind you of all mine. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Married people, isn't that hard to do? 
don't keep any record. We got a Rolodex and we know each other better than anybody else. And so you keep those out. And when something goes right, you go, look at what you did, right? Look at what you did. And, and man, what if, what if we did what Jesus did? And extended the same grace. They announced forgiveness in advance, right? And, and they knew what we were going to be like and forgave us anyway. What if we had lives like that where we extended that same grace to other people? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, the best way I know to really just put this in your mind is, is that there's going to be gaps in your life in every relationship that you have the gaps between what you expect and what you experience. And when they arise, as they naturally will, just put the most generous explanation possible in there. Don't assume the worst. Assume the best. Give each other something to live up to. Give each other, be for each other. And, and the way you do that is just becoming, creating that most generous explanation possible. Can you imagine what our job would be like if everybody acted that way? Can you imagine what our, our, our marriages could be like and our families could be like if we, would, if we would respond this way to other people around us? It would literally change the world. And so that's relationships. Make love a verb. And the last one here is spiritual. And the, the, what we have here is to follow Jesus. And, and I want you to have six-pack abs. I want you to have a bunch of money. And I want you to have extra time. And I want you to have a great job. And I want you to have great relationships. But more than anything else, I want you to follow Jesus. Because one of the things we've experienced is that following Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. And if there's any one thing that you could do that affects all these others in a massive way, it is just that one thing. In fact, that, that's why we created this place. That's why this exists, is we want to help lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And to do that, we've got environments here where you can belong before you believe, where you can ask your questions and at your own, at your own timing, at your own pace, take your next step of faith. Because that's the ball game here for us. And, and in doing this, every single day, you're going to find yourself in a different states of follow all the time. So for some of you, following Jesus just looks like coming back next week. That's where you're at. Right? You, maybe you've gone from church for a lot of good reasons for a long time, and you started showing back up, and, and, and you just need to keep coming. Because following always starts with information. And, and that's what we want to do here for you. I hope it's helpful and useful, but I, I hope it also take, gets you to take your next step of faith. Some of you uh, have been coming a while, and you've got deeper questions that you're ready to get answered. Questions about the Bible and science and who was Jesus to me. And what you need to do is possibly entertain going to starting point. Starting point, again, on your way out, on the door to the right, same place you can meet about money matters, you're going to have people that can talk to you about the next starting point. And that's just where it's a short-term small group. You can get your questions answered. We've seen people dramatically grow in their faith as a result of having gone through that. Some of you, um, the, your next step looks like volunteering. You, you need to go time and you need to go money. Right? You need to give up your time and money because one of the ways that we do ministry here is we realize it starts in the parking lot. And, and many of you have already been doing this. Right? You've spent, you spent your week at camp to give our, give our young adults the best possible uh, chance of success in the future they're moving into. And, and, and you greet people and, and you, you serve in all these various environments that we have and you write checks. Many of you have been doing this a long time and some of you are right on the edge of it. And you realize that maybe God's kind of nudging you in that direction and that for you to trust and take that next step of faith, that's what it looks like. Your next stage of follow looks like that. And remember, as I tell you that, I'm a volunteer, so I, I don't get checks from here. I write them. And so I'm just like you. But here's the, about, here's the great thing about this is you'll never fully be able to, uh, to understand what God does in you until you see what he does through you. And that's exactly what following Jesus when it comes to volunteering time and money 
And then, of course, some of you, you're, you're in, and, and you're ready to take the next step of faith, and your step of faith is you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You believe he's the Son of God, and you believe he died on the cross for your sins and was resurrected, that you can trust in him for your eternal salvation and live a new life, and you're ready to do that, and you just need to tell somebody. You need to, because we want to celebrate with you. In fact, you, maybe you won't even want to be baptized. And, and you want to tell your story, and you can get so many other people to hear that and, and then be, be, just be motivated by that to maybe follow in your footsteps and take their next step of faith. I don't know what it is for you, but, but make it something. Understand something. So that's spiritual. So we're going to come back to our, our life hack here, integrity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Again, remember, Solomon saying, guys, look, know where you are relative to where you're trying to go. And that clarity is going to help you understand how to meet the demands of your reality in such a way that it's going to lead you to your best possible future. And it'll also deter you from trading what you want ultimately for what feels good naturally. Trading what you can have ultimately for what you can have immediately. You won't even look at that because you're going to see this future out there that's so much better and it's going to guide you in your greatest future. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to take the remaining two minutes that we have, the remaining 120 seconds. And I think if you apply what I'm about to show you, this could be the most meaningful 120 seconds of your life. I want you to actually write out this. I want you to write out your like to be here. So pull out your smartphones and, and get those ready. If you don't already have them out, you know, just drop Facebook and pull up a notepad. And, and so I want you to write out three years from today, what does life look like if you're knocking it out of the park in all these areas? What, what does it look like professionally? What does it look like relationally, financially, physically, spiritually? If I'm really killing it and I'm writing out the story of my life three years from today, what does that feel like? And really play with it a little bit. I mean, go through a week in the life of you, a day in the life of you, a year in the life of you, and and flavor it with the emotion that you're feeling. And also think about what am I becoming in the process of what I'm pursuing? And, and, And really ground it. And so I just want you to, even if you pick one, for over the next 120 seconds to write about, but you'll probably get to maybe more than one, one or two. So we're going to play some music, and I'm going to give you 120 seconds, and then we're going to come back, and I'll let us go. All right, thank you. We can unlock the doors now. And uh, let me pray for us. Father, we love you. I thank you for the opportunity to be your kids. I thank you how much you care about us and, and that you want something for us, not from us. Father, I, I pray that all these requests that, that, that we've been writing about what we want the future to look like, uh, that, that everybody here would know how deeply you care about that and how for you are 
how for them you are in that process. That really, when we, when we write those requests, Lord, it's, it's something that you, you love us to do because it's an extent, expression of faith. Faith is the substance of things we're hoping for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And Father, I, I just delight in how you give us this wisdom from Solomon, Lord, that we can, we can know that as we create this gap between where we are and where we want to be, we know we don't have to do it alone. That you're bigger than any situation we face. And no matter how big the gap might be, there's nothing for you to close it. You split split the Red Sea. You said, let there be light. There was light. Nothing's too hard for you, Father. And your word invites us that it says, if we call to you, you'll answer us and show us great and mighty things we don't know. So I specifically pray for everybody in here today and their vision. And I pray for your wisdom. Lord, right in the middle of that, that, that tomorrow when they wake up and they have that alarm, they read it and they add to it, that they would just know you're a part of that and you want to give them new insights, new wisdom, and new ways of accomplishing it. And that they would leave here refreshed knowing that you go with them in the process of this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you guys. You have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed that message. Come back next week as we launch a new series you won't want to miss. Until then, God bless and Happy New Year.